Buglers, we are live from Leicester Square Theatre on the 16th of September with Chris Addison and Alice Fraser. It might be our only London date of the year, so get your tickets now. Oh, get them at thebuglepodcast.com. That, that bit's important. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast, your daily statistics-based look ahead to what's about to happen in the next day of the 2023 Ashes. That day today being the final day of the Lord's Test. I am Andy Zoltzman, and yesterday we witnessed one of the oddest days in Ashes history. It started with Australia in a position of dominance, it began with Australia consolidating that dominance... And then, as we've seen so often from Ben Stokes' England, they did something that has never been done before in the history of Test cricket. They bowled nothing but bouncers for four hours. Other teams have done it for maybe an hour, but perhaps even two hours. Other bowlers have done it. For example, Neil Wagner for his entire career, basically. But no team has bowled as short as England did for those 51, essentially the innings was it was a ball short of 102 overs long. The first 51 overs, they pitched it up. They bowled conventionally. Australia were 153 for two. Then they bowled 51 consecutive overs of basically nothing but bouncers. 98% of balls were pitched short in the afternoon session. And with that bouncer tactic, they took uh, eight wickets for 126. It unquestionably worked. It was unquestionably the right thing for England to do. Perhaps the only thing they could do to get themselves back into the game. It was also some of the dullest cricket in the entire history of the universe. It was very strange. Um, uh, It ended up with England getting to a place where they'd been against India last year at Edgbaston, albeit against a different bowling attack, chasing 370-odd to win. And within the context of what we've seen from England over the past year and a bit, thinking, well, at least they've given themselves a chance. Um, and then Mitchell Stark started bowling. He had Zach Crawley strangled down the leg side with a ball that did swing late. He bowled Ollie Pope with an absolute beauty. Pat Cummins then ruffled up Joe Root, had him caught behind, and then bowled Harry Brook with something that was close to unplayable, if not actually unplayable. Um, England, 45 for four at that point, then recovered through Duckett and Stokes, uh, Duckett survived an LBW early on, which he re- looked like he thought he was out, only just referred just before the timer ran out, turned out was missing the stumps. He was dropped by Cameron Green in the gully. When I say dropped, it was essentially an impossible catch if you were any human in history other than Cameron Green, and he managed to get his fingers to it. Uh, and then caught by Mitchell Stark on the boundary at the end, but Stark, for some reason, I think to protect his left shoulder, because he's a left-arm fast bowler, he, he caught the ball and then, sort of, as he slid, put put the ball on the ground rather than putting his hand underneath the ball, which I guess meant he might have rolled over onto his left shoulder. Anyway, the point was, it was the decision, it was initially everyone thought it was out. 
The replay came up on the big screen. The umpires had another look at it, and it was given not out. So England ended up four wickets down, 114 runs on the board, another 257 needed, and the flicker of possibility in the air, albeit that if they do win, it will be the most runs ever added by a team in the fourth innings of a test after losing their first four wickets. No team has added more than 300 to win after being four wickets down in their fourth innings. But what we've seen from Ben Stokes over his career and his team over the last year and a bit is they do do things that have never been done before, albeit at the moment they're not really looking like doing something that has never been done before. <laughs> to discuss this and fire me some questions, I'm joined by producer Chris. Um, Chris, have you seen a weirder day's cricket? There might have been some that, that we've played in in village cricket where odd things happen, um, but my, my most recent village game... I mean, not not particularly odd, actually quite standard, but I turned up for my first competitive game of cricket in about 15 years. We only had eight players who'd turned up. One of them never showed up. Um, uh, I was supposed to bat at six because I'm not very good and pretty rusty. Uh, went in at two for two in the in the third over. Um, and uh, our two young... In a team in which I was, I think, the fifth oldest player, and I'm 48... Our two youngest players both pulled muscles and we lost by nine ah. wickets with about 15 overs to spare. It was classic village cricket. Uh, but this was this was not classic test cricket, Chris. No. This was something new and different and slightly unsettling. Andy, I've seen some weird things on a cricket pitch myself. I have once seen a bunch of uh, naked people in a random park run on the pitch, steal the stumps, only for another bunch of people in the park having a drink who also had nothing to do with the game, wrestle them to the ground, hand us back the stumps and yell across the whole park, I will do anything for love and cricket. And then a game <laughs> proceed. And even that was probably less weird than some of those statistics you were pumping out just now. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, it was, I mean, I, the only thing I would question you on is you saying it was boring. I mean, I, I kind of like, I was just fascinated. Like, they're not going to still keep doing this, are they? Oh, oh, they are. Oh, they're not yes. going to still keep doing this, are they? Oh, they are. Yeah. So, so look. it was. It was sort of like if if Stuart Lee was a Test match cricket team. <laughs> yes. It was just that that kind of the comedy of repetition. <laughs> you think oh, we can't keep doing it, but somehow it works as it does with Stuart Lee and his strange uh, comedic genius. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, and also, I don't think Stuart Lee, who is ab absolutely not a cricket fan, has ever been used in a cricket metaphor. So that's um, that's something for him to treasure. I'm sure he'll be delighted. Um, my my issue with it with it was it was so monochrome, and there was basically on a pitch that was a little tricky, a bit too paced, um, but which nothing was happening for the seamers. So a lot of the the you know, the issue is that the balls aren't doing much, and the pitches in this series haven't done much, uh, and apart from when it's been a bit cloudy at Lords. Um, there was basically nothing else they, they could do. So I'm not saying it was the wrong tactic, but as as a spectacle, it means there was nothing the batters could do. You're not going to see for four hours, but basically no chance of seeing someone unfurl a drive. There's there's almost no shots that can be played to that. So what it, it basically makes it very boring, and the, the contest yeah. is not the kind of contest you want to see in cricket. So, I mean, there's every time something like this has happened in cricket history, they've tweaked the laws to try to make it a better spectacle. So a body line, for example, which was you know, essentially similar to this, restricting the range of shots to almost nothing for the batting side. They then brought in the restriction on the number of fielders you're allowed behind square on the leg side when there were too many bouncers 
or they thought there were too many bouncers in, in the 80s and early 90s. They brought in a limitation of two bouncers per over. The thing with that is that, that is, it's got to be head height and above, I think, to count mm. as one of your two for an over. A, it's quite hard to judge that for, for umpires, but also you can still bowl, as England showed yesterday, basically unplayable bouncers in terms of unplayable as in playing a relatively risk-free attacking shot or an attacking shot where the balance of risk to reward makes for interesting cricket. Um, it's almost impossible to play those safely. So we we had England, as I said, bowling 98% bouncers. And when you have anything being the same thing over and over again in sport, it becomes, uh, ra- yeah, like I said, monochrome and a bit dull. Now, this was only one afternoon. It was still it was a lot. Four hours of cricket, 51 overs with modern over. It's basically four hours of cricket, if that's your only day of cricket of the summer. Um, and you love cricket rather than just wanting to see your team do well, which is different for those who responded to my complaints on Twitter yesterday. Um, um, it was it was not much of a spectacle. Um, it was skillfully executed. Mm. Amazing stamina by the bowlers. It was a brilliant fight back by England, but it was also the dullest brilliant fight back there may have ever been in cricket. Um, and it was for all the talk England. Uh, you know, that, yesterday we had, we had the. Jeetan Patel was put out to do the media afterwards, their spin bowling coach, because no one else wanted to do it, and said they're all about entertainment. And this was anti-entertaining cricket. And, you know, that's part of Test cricket is it has infinite possibility and you can do things differently and you can try different things. But for four hours, and looking ahead to the future of this series, if it keeps working, what was shaping up to be, and could still be a classic series, could become unremittingly tedious and I think you know they will have to do something if this becomes almost a default when things aren't happening for the seamers in cricket maybe they'll you know have a line across the middle of the pitch and you're only allowed your one or two balls to pitch short of that line or they change the bouncer level mm. from head height to chest height so you can still bowl some bouncers and test out the the you know the, that element of cricketing skill but it was it made for really tedious I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cricket. So Kevin Peterson uh, said at one point in a day, and, and look, look, he was a he was a good improviser, and he, he commented on Nathan Lyon at the end, who was batting on one leg. And he said, Lyon got it right. And I think this is this is what you might see for the rest of the series is if they're going to bowl at you like that, take a baseball stance and just try to hit everything to leg. Just just unashamedly. And I think I don't think England would get away with that in future tests because I do think, I mean, you know, 
they're good batters, the Australian batsmen, and they will find a solution. And England will get found out if they overplay that card. Yeah, yeah but that, the Australians played it really quite badly. They they could they couldn't find attacking shots. They got too defensive for a mm. bit, so that sort of just encouraged England to to continue it. So it really worked for England. But like I said, four hours with no the range of options for the batting side is, is similar to the range of options for a high end cheese enthusiast in a Soviet delicatessen. You know, maximum yeah. one or two, and even those really aren't safe for you. Uh, to me, it was like go to see the Sistine Chapel and finding that they painted over all the bits that aren't willies and balls with more willies and balls. Now, unquestionably, those are some of the best painted willies and balls you will ever see, but but you want to see variety. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I, uh, I, I'm sorry, I would pay to see that. <laughs> well, each to their own, I guess. The Nathan Lyons' innings, um, adding to the catalogue yeah. of injured players who've heroically gone out to, to bat Malcolm Marshall with a broken arm in 1984. The slightly overrated Colin Cowdery at Lords in 1963 against West Indies going out with a broken arm. There were only two balls left and he was at the non-striker's <laughs> end. Um but there have been, but now, so Lyon, who got quite what is obviously a very severe uh, calf strain, hobbled out, mm. um, and basically there was at one point they ran a single ran, and he he hobbled. It was uh, it, he moved that down that single as if he was trying to escape from a pantomime horse outfit, <laughs> um, uh, and but it did show a difference in, in attitude in terms of Australia thinking we need to get every single yeah. possible run out of this situation, whereas England Edgebaston declaring on the final day thinking, oh, let's just go for it. Mm. Uh, so again, we've seen so many clashes of uh, approach in this in this uh, in this series. So they and those fifteen runs, who knows? They might be the difference between victory and defeat, or or let's let's be positive from an English point of view between an amazing win and an even more amazing win. Um, uh, but it did raise the issue of why are cricketers now not allowed runners? Um, because I mean, it's absurd. You have subfielders when a bowler wants to go for a little massage after a spell of bowling. I don't have a problem with that. But th- to deny runners when there is no point in which having a runner is an advantage mm. for the batting side. It leads to confusion and chaos. And the people who really lose out from this, Chris, are the paying spectators. Yep. Because watching... The chaos unfurl in elite professional sport when there is a runner is worth the entrance fee alone, and and that is something that is sadly missing from cricket. And I do hope it comes back. I couldn't agree at more. At some point, it is it is it is a sad, sadly missed feature of the game. Can, can we move on from Protestant work ethic, like you've been discussing there, <laughs> onto the Pope? And yes, um, nice link. Uh, thank you. And a couple of things about him. Uh, I heard you talking about his fourth innings performance. I'd love you to break that down. And although it was an outstanding ball, I felt like I'd seen him get bowled a lot. Am I wrong? Uh, well, yeah, it was more his, it's just his second innings record. So this is one of the Sorry, side yes, problems yes, with yes. cricketing nomenclature. We talk about first innings and second innings, meaning a team's first innings and second innings. Then there's a lot of stats on first innings batting first, as in the first innings of the match, and the second innings of the match, which is its team's first innings, and then you have third and fourth innings. I'm speaking about second innings, meaning third and fourth innings. Uh, his average... <laughs> In second, I'm going to put this in in a context that I found absolutely mind blowing. Looking it up this morning, he has, uh, as I mentioned on TMS yesterday, for players with 1500 runs or more in Test cricket, he has the the biggest differential between his first innings average and second innings average expressed as a ratio. Um, and there are a number of players are. Steve Smith is very high mm. on that as well. Um, but Ollie Pope, uh, uh, let's 
Out of 807 players who batted 20 or more times in the first innings of test matches, Pope, averaging 47.7 in first innings, has the 104th best average. So that's pretty good. He's not far off. Alan Border, one of the all-time mm. great Australians. Ross Taylor, one of New Zealand's best ever players. Ian, the sledgehammer of everlasting vengeance bell. He is ahead of Alistair Cook <laughs> in first innings average, as well as Jeff Boycott, David Gower, Rishabh Pant, Ashley Mamler. In the second innings, around about this, I've looked for about the top 800 uh, players, or the most 800 who batted most often, 14 times plus, 798 players. So that's basically the same. Pope drops from 104th in first innings to 617th in the second wow. innings with his average of 16.03. And I don't like to use two decimal places in averages, but I'm using two decimal places here for a reason, because he is 0.03 ahead of my Test Match special colleague and former England number 11, Stephen Finn. <laughs> so Ollie Pope is basically the same second innings player as yeah. Stephen Finn. He's just behind Murph Hughes, Alzari Joseph of current West Indies wow. tail ender, Jim Laker. That's useful tail ender category. Yeah. He is just ahead of Adil Rashid, Peter Siddle, Jack Leach, and strapping Stuart Broad. Now, I know Stuart Broad started well, but Stuart, he's only just better than Stuart Broad in the second innings with the bat. It is absolutely extraordinary. He did mention during the Ireland test when he made a double hundred that he doesn't sleep well during mm. matches. We've seen this with Steve Smith. I might have mentioned this on the yeah. show before. That might be a factor. Um, as you say, he's now been bowled 18 times out of 62 innings, which is 29% of his innings. The average for top six players over the last five years, basically encompassing his career, um, is 16%. So quite significantly above average. Uh, that's quite incredible. And is there a case to be made for England owning the stat, giving Pope a little bit more of a rest... And just batting him at nine in their second innings. <laughs> he might shore up the tail a little bit. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, it is it is baffling. And you'd hope it's... I mean, But he's played a lot of test matches now. He's heading towards 40 tests. Yeah. Um, who knows? So, Andy, it's going to be a, a spicy fifth day. I myself yep. am extremely excited to see how Stark and Duckett pick up on what they left off at the end of <laughs> yesterday. There was definitely some verbals there. I'd love to get your your, your take on on how things might play out. Will there be fisticuffs? Is there any Stokes or England fourth innings like gems that you've got for us here? Right. Well, the, the fourth innings gems aren't particularly auspicious for England. <laughs> Stokes averages 34 in fourth innings. However, let's remember his highlights, not just in fourth innings, but in chasing innings. Yeah. He only has two hundreds in fourth innings in test. One was in his second test in Perth, which was a fine yes. innings in a game England lost quite heavily. Yeah. And the other was that headingly masterpiece, one of the all-time great innings in the history of cricket. But in chases, he's also played massive innings in World Cup finals mm. in both 50 and 20 over cricket. He's one of the great situational players. So I don't think he's, he's not been batting particularly well at the moment, but he is someone who plays an occasion and a situation uh, pretty much as well as anyone. Johnny Bairstow averages only 34 in fourth innings. He only has two fourth innings hundreds in his career. But they've come within his last three fourth innings. They were uh, last summer. His yeah. three fourth innings were 136 at Trent Bridge and 71 not out at Leeds against New Zealand. Then a, a 114 not out against India for England's highest ever chase, 378 uh, at Edgebaston. Before that, he'd averaged 21 in fourth innings. The worrying thing is he wasn't wicketkeeper then <laughs> and I keep talking about how his batting stats as keeper declined through a, through a match. In fourth innings as wicketkeeper he averages just 18 in 13 innings and Ben Duckett has never made a first class 100 batting fourth. Uh, but he did make 82 in Pakistan 
uh, at, uh, at Karachi to help England win the game. That was a small chase, not not really comparable to this. But he did play really well yesterday. He got he's the first England opener to make two fifties against Australia since Alistair Cook yeah. in the first test in Brisbane in 2010-11 when he made sixty seven and two hundred and thirty five. Not out the last England opener to do it at home was Andrew Strauss at the Oval in two thousand nine. The last one to do it at Lords, Mike Atherton in nineteen ninety three. Before which, there'd only been three England openers make two fifties against Australia. Jeff Boycott in the non-Ashes Test of 1980, the Centenary Test uh, one-off match. Then you've got to go back to Archie McLaren in 1905 and uh, Arthur Shrewsbury <laughs> in 1893. So a very rare feat um, by uh, by Ben Duckett. And uh, but yeah, Ben Ben Stokes. So Mitchell Stark against Ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow has taken 16 wickets, average 17 in this Test career, which is slightly ominous for England. Bear in mind, they have the aforementioned Stuart Broad coming in at number eight. Well, I feel less good about uh, the day ahead than I did before I asked the question. So, okay. so. <laughs> Well, that's it. Lower your expectations <laughs> and you cannot be disappointed. No, no, no. The fundamental rule of life. I don't know if it'd be worse if this is all over in the first hour or if it goes <laughs> deep into the evening session. Right. Well, as long as it lasts long enough for me to get the press box lunch at Lord's. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for uh, listening to the Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast for a day in which we learned quite how many players don't really know the laws of cricket and quite how many people in the media, possibly including myself, also don't know the laws of cricket based on the reaction to that, to that catch. Um, uh, we will hopefully see a day of uh, formidable drama today, or it might be a rapid, um, slightly humiliating day no more. Uh, tune in for our next Bugle Ashes Zoltzcast, which will come between the Lord's Test and the Headingley Test, which starts on Thursday Until then, may the cricket be with you. Amen. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.